Welcome once again to the Liberty Lounge. This is episode two and so excited. However you found us, thank you for finding us. We got a lot of stuff planned for y'all and we got a lot of guests that are going to be rolling in here in the coming weeks. I'm Johnny B from over on YouTube and I'm joined, of course, by the Armed Scholar. Anthony, how are you? Let me ask you this. We just finished episode one. You've been reading through and watching the responses from this wonderful audience. What has stuck out to you in the responses from episode one? Well, I, I was surprised by the response. I, it seemed like a lot of you guys really enjoyed it. And it's only going to get better as we do more, as we have these long form conversations with each other and tweak some of the audio. I know some people had some audio issues. We're going to work on that um, learning process, but also the feedback was awesome. It seems like you all are very excited for what we are doing here. And like Johnny said, we have some really fun guests coming. And uh, I think you guys are going to really enjoy some of the interviews that we're going to be doing, but also joined by Mr. Guns and Gadgets himself, Jared. How's it going? Guys, uh, I'm, I'm so inspired by the initial uh, comments and, and, and the initial people who listened on day one, the amount of people who took time out of the schedule to listen to what we are, 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 are calling our little baby. Like this is something that Anthony, like Anthony said, we'll grow with the process. None of us well, I mean, Anthony used to do a podcast too, but like I've never done a podcast. He's never done one regularly. So uh, there will be improvements. And uh, thank you for sticking around for the ride. I look forward to talking about all things freedom and having some fun doing it. It's going to be fun. We're talking about freedom. We're talking about fun. We're talking about firearms. Last week, we talked a little bit of faith as well to continue the alliteration. All right. I, we cannot go forward with the Liberty Lounge podcast, episode two, without Talking about the acorn. Holy <laughs> moly. Now, it's a terrible story. I get it. But at the 10,000-foot view, good golly, an acorn hits a car. This cop goes absolutely eight nuts. Jared, 20-something, 20 27 years, is that right? 24. 24 years behind the, pad, behind the badge. And uh, so you've seen it all. <laughs> or did you think you have seen it all? Walk us through. Holy smokes, what is going on with the acorn? Uh, <laughs> I don't know what was in that guy's uh, thought. Uh, his, I don't know what his thought process was at all. Um, but uh, there was a police officer who arrested somebody, placed the person in the back of their cruiser. Uh, and upon walking behind the cruiser, you can see the video. They've slow-moed it and circled it. An acorn falls from a tree, hits the roof of his cruiser, bounces off. He mistakes that for suppressed fire, uh, does two barrel rolls, uh, says he was hit by a round and unloads on the back of his cruiser. And then another responding officer from the other direction, <laughs> are you hit? He says, yes, I've been hit. She starts to unload on the car. Uh, they apparently were under the belief that the person in the cruiser <laughs> had a suppressed firearm and was starting to shoot at them or somebody in the area did. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, not a good look. Now, before he put this suspect person of interest in the back of his own car, he would have, I don't know, was a fancy term frisked them. He would have made sure they were clear, right? Uh, if you're under arrest, you are searched and you're, you're hooked up too, right? You, yes. You you're are. Wearing the <laughs> You've already been searched. He hears an acorn and his first thought was to pull my piece. So anyway, blam, blam, blam. I started <laughs> Yeah. Anthony, the armed scholar, you're a lawyer. Talk us through the legal side of this. So it was interesting. And I actually highly recommend everybody go watch Donut Operators video on this. I watched it, I think, yesterday. Um, for some further context, I guess they were called to the house of a woman in response to the boyfriend, I think, borrowed the vehicle, uh, had the permission to borrow the vehicle. 
but didn't return it and then sent her a picture of him pointing his gun with a suppressor on it at that vehicle. So cops come, the boyfriend or whoever ends up eventually showing up. They decide, yes, they search him, um, make sure he doesn't have a firearm or, you know, with a suppressor on it on him, handcuff him, put him in the back of the car. That officer then decides, you know, I'm going to go talk to this guy. He's walking allegedly, you know, you could read the whole court documents too. It's like 44 pages of, you know, testimony from the police officer and his perspective and what he thought was happening in his partner. But allegedly, as he was reaching for the door to go talk to this individual, that's when the acorn hit the roof. He says another acorn hit him. He thought he was shot. And so he does two barrel rolls. <laughs> and he said that his legs weren't working anymore because he thought he got shot. He yelled, shot fired twice. <laughs> if you listen to him, like he's like, he turned aside. Donut said he's like, he turns into Arnold because he's on the ground. He's like, oh, oh I've been shot. <laughs> and, and he has a SIG P320 and he just unloads his entire mag, tries to reload, uh, crawls away. So it, it was just a mess. His partner also, um, you know, it's kind of crossfire <laughs> shooting at him. Um, according to the reports, no one was actually shot. Surprisingly, the, the, the individual and in the police cruiser didn't get shot. Uh, the partner wasn't shot. The guy definitely who thought he was shot was not shot. But by he the, went to the hospital like they put it. They strapped his AWS to a gurney. <laughs> And like, yeah. what is the EMTs doing at this point? He's like, they got me, Elizabeth. They got me. And yeah. they trap him. What are these EMTs doing? Jared, you've been around EMTs forever. Are they not like going, uh, this is probably nothing, but we better be safe than sorry. How does he actually make it from the barrel rolled in the ground into the ambulance? Like, how does he get through that process? Well, typically in, in the uh, services, like uh, the first line services, the police, fire and EMS, they will go above and beyond for each other because usually we're all that we have in the, in the front line. Um, I don't know, like I, I've saw some of the, <laughs> the, the, the body cam footage where they were like, you know, where have you been hit? Like we're not seeing anything. And he's like, I think they got me in my vest. Uh, but yeah, you would be checked. You would, your vest would come off. You would, they'd be looking for uh, blood and bruising and broken bones and perforated skin. And yeah, it's not a good look, not a good look. Yeah, I, it's, it's baffling. It is absolutely baffling that that like, and, and then now, how does he go forward in life? Because now, you know, your name is going to be Oak or going to be Oak Tree or going to be like Barrel Roll. Like he's got a name in that department forever. And yeah, I believe, I believe it was either. Uh, so I think actually him or his and or his partner have now resigned because of this after the whole oh, report. Really? Uh, I think so. So there was that in that whole report with in their discussing the incident and the court found based on they didn't find any uh, bad intent on his part, of course. They didn't think that there was any malice against this suspect. They just said based on the totality of the you know, circumstances, this police officer truly did believe that he had you know, been shot with a suppressed firearm based on you know, the information they had before. And some people are saying maybe he had PTSD from prior incidents. We don't really know. Um, but yeah, I think him, I think I probably, he, I think he was the one who resigned and don't quote me on that, but I, I think either one of them ended up resigning because of this incident. So, um, well, there's been a whole lot of videos about new drills people are performing, uh, yeah. because of this incident and some of them, there were, some of them are phenomenal. <laughs> I, I cannot yeah. get enough of this story. I really can't. And I think bad faith is the, uh, is the right word. Like, it's just like something happens and you just immediately unload a magazine into the back of your car. Speaking of bad faith, Jared, you know more about this situation than I do. 
Can you walk all of us, including me, through just the outline of this Clarence Thomas situation? This one, the first one's comedy, of course. This one, this one's got my attention, and I think it's worth paying attention to. Yeah, so uh, there's an HBO show called Last Week Tonight, uh, and the host of that is John Oliver. He is a, a, a progressive UK-born comedian who likes to push the uh, like the anti-MAGA type response that so many people in this country are are in love with. And on Sunday's show, um, well, first off, there's there's this thing called federal law, and in this <laughs> case, we talked about. 18 U.S. Code Section 201, Bribery of a Public Official. And on his show on Sunday, the ending skit was uh, what is being seen as a an offered bribe to Clarence Thomas. He opened the skit by talking about how he has ruined people's lives with some of the cases he's been on, taking away women's rights, and then... As he walked into the studio, there was a $2.4 million luxury motorhome that he was going to, uh, he offered to Clarence Thomas, as well as a million dollar a year salary for him to, quote, get the F off the Supreme Court. And the way the law goes, regardless of his title for that his job is, that is considered a bribe. You're attempting to offer items of value and money to a public official in government service for an intended outcome for his retirement. Uh, so a lot of things have happened since then. Uh, HBO and his show usually puts his stuff on YouTube the next day, and that's been delayed. It's still not out. Uh, I did a, a feature video on this subject, and long story short, I got a, a strike on YouTube. They didn't like the fact that I was talking about it and putting it out there in, you know, in correspondence with the law that he actually violated. And some people will say, he's a comedian. To which I say, well, then you can always just joke about, you know, threatening to do anything to somebody. Uh, but uh, the UK company that either controls his licensing or whatever didn't like the fact that my video was out there and they had that video taken down and a copyright strike and stuff like that. Now, in America, Anthony, talk about fair use because we have this thing in America where I can take just what I did. I took that footage and used it, not solely that wasn't my sole video. I've, I put all kinds of feedback on it. I talked about the law and how it how it applies. Yet uh, here we are. We're uh, you know we're trying to I guess pretend this didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, fair use is something that we rely on heavily here on social media, YouTube, everywhere. Um, and fair use, pretty much, you know, boil it down to the simplest terms. As long as you can take. Even if it's claimed to be copyrighted material, you can take that and as long as you transform it and do some sort of modifications to it and add value to it, in simplest terms, it is not infringing on the copyright of that product or, or whatever that you're transforming. Um, and we do that all the time on YouTube. There are a ton of creators that that's what their whole channel is based on that reactions or breakdowns. You know, there's, there's a lot of people on YouTube that do that. Um, and Jared's not the only one that's faced this on our, our side. You know, I've done reaction videos to Jon Stewart and hit the conversation that he had with uh, an Oklahoma state senator. And I got hit with that one as well uh, by Apple, even though it was drastically modified. And I'm adding my additional commentary and legal analysis on some of the arguments and the debate that they're having. Um, if they still said I violated copyright. Now, eventually I was able to get that removed. But it's just always interesting on our side. We don't get the benefit of the doubt all the time with with fair use. Um, 
and it's a problem and not even just to say the fair use is a big problem first you know first amendment issues as well as is a big problem the stifling that we have on some platforms but then you talk about like what you did which is kind of the main focus of the discussion you were having is the bribery of that individual a supreme court justice thomas uh, now, of course, they're going to claim that it was satire, that there was no true intent to, in, that is required to violate that federal law. You know, they'll make all those claims and probably nothing's going to come of it because they're on the right team that's owned by, you know, that owns the media. So nothing's probably going to ever come of that. Right. Um, but it, it's concerning. And, you know, it is part of, w- of what's going on in our society right now that we want to have a discussion about. Um, to, to be fair. If Clarence Thomas, he's already addressed it, but if he had decided to take that, Clarence Thomas is guilty of a felony in taking the bribe and his fine is like three times the cost or the value of the item uh, plus uh, 15 years too in jail. So, you know, it it could have been a gotcha moment, but to the letter of the law... It, it might have been cool. enticing too because they had that two point five million dollar like RV and and why that's funny is because Justice Thomas is very much known for at the end of every term him and his wife will go travel the country in their RV so it's just funny he's like here's this really expensive RV like get off the Supreme Court as if Justice Thomas gonna you know buy one himself already probably has one so right it's, right. it's hilarious. I, I think it's interesting. I, th- I do think this, and I've done uh, a little bit. Y'all don't know this. I've done graduate work in uh, media studies and actually in comedy, graduate work in comedy as it relates to media studies and actually have and in the Bill of Rights. And I think this is just me. I'm not a lawyer, but I took a class. I think you can pretty much say anything in comedy. I mean, you can't literally threaten to kill the president unless you're a leftist. I mean, we've got Madonna saying blow up the White House during the Trump campaign. We've got, uh, I don't even want to say her name, but holding up Trump's head, a bloody head. That would be called satire. But I think nothing will come of this. Anthony, nothing burger? Yeah, I don't, like I said, they they control the courts for the most part. They control the media. And they're going to just say that, like you said, it's satire, it's comedy. There was no true intent behind violating this fair law. And um, yeah, I, I don't think anything's necessarily going to come. Up. It'll be there will be a lot of noise um, online about that. There already is a lot of noise online about this. Uh, but you guys know how the news cycle is. It'll it'll move to something quick. Yeah. All right. I want to talk a little bit about shop, you know, because I love this world that we're in. Uh, we're all I don't like the word influencers or micro influencers content creators, whatever. We get, to, we get to do a lot of cool stuff. We've been on a lot of trips together. We go to a lot of gun ranges together. We fire a lot of guns. We can, we can shoot guns sometimes that the public doesn't have yet. We a, a lot of doors, I'll say it this way, and we are all three blessed more than we deserve. This, this, we've had a lot of doors open up to this three. Jared, what's one of the coolest doors that have opened up to you since you've been in this world? Uh, just to be able to go to events and be invited into things I would would never have been able to just do this, like to be able to no longer have to worry about punching a clock anymore is, is, is just mind blowing. There's nothing wrong with that. You did it for, you did it for 20 something years. Yeah. But but it's still mind blowing that to, to me, I can talk to a camera in a spare room in my house and still be able to provide for my kids because people have an interest in what we're talking about. And to me, that is, that's a huge door that was open to me. Anthony, any doors open, any guns you've got to shoot where you just go pinch me. Holy smokes. I can't believe this door is opened. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, you like you said, we go to a lot of events. Um, when we go to the Gundy's event down at Drive Tanks at the OX Ranch, and they're shooting tanks and RBGs, and we're shooting 50 cals and yeah. a lot of MP7s and, and a lot of guns. And not to say anything negative now, because it is so fun to shoot. You know, we go to a lot of range days, but at a certain point, you you know, you're you've shot the same thing. The one gun I will say that's always fun, no matter where you go, is the CMMG mutant i know they don't like us to call that but that one is so much fun no matter where you go uh it's that's always a great time but as far as you know doors that have opened so many doors have opened up to me because of social media and what we do now here on the platform and i think the coolest thing is i'm very blessed and i tell people this all the time god has blessed me beyond anything i could ever imagine and uh i always tell jared this you know going back to you know when i first started the channel and we went to that first gundy's I remember driving up to the parking lot and seeing Jared standing in the parking lot along with um, Honest Outlaw, Chris. You know, I had watched them on YouTube for a long time. I was a fan. I consumed their content and I'm sitting there, you know, at that time I was still, I guess, a content creator, but, you know, was new. And I remember sitting in my vehicle, the rental, and tell my wife, like, hey, I need a second because that's Jared from Guns and Gadgets and Honest Outlaw. Like, and I was super nervous to go up and and, and talk with them. And, you know, since then, me and Jared and everybody, we've all been friends ever since then. And I think that's the coolest thing. And, and the biggest door that's open to me is the community of creators and the amazing friends that I've made because of this. And now I get to have conversations like this on the platform with my friends, which is, is awesome. And again, blessed beyond anything I could have ever imagined. What well, about when you, Johnny? Walked in today, when he walked in a few minutes ago, I had to take a minute and just go, oh gosh, here we, here we, here we, here we <laughs> well, go. It's, it's yeah. yeah, it's different because now you guys live together, like not together, but in the same vicinity. So, <laughs> yeah, thanks, Anthony. Yeah, uh, it's, it's really cool. Like the industry is, is, is amazing. And two things one, yeah, doors have opened. There was a time uh, just a few months ago in a three week period, you and I got to go to Thunder Ranch and sit at and have dinner with Clinton Heidi Smith at Thunder Ranch and their entire team. And then literally 10 days later, we're in Harrogate, Tennessee with Reed Hendricks and his wife, Rachel, at Valor Ridge. And we were sitting around at Valor Ridge around a campfire at night having a cigar and a Coca-Cola. And I just went, oh, my Lord, pinch me. Like, I, I, I just cannot believe how cool this is. So that's cool. But also, I think for folks that are listening to that, because sometimes somebody say, "Oh my gosh, Johnny, you went to an event. How many how many rounds did you shoot?" I'm like zero because yeah. it gets old, and they're like, "Ah, wow, the content creators are tired of shooting guns." I will say this: there are so many events out there open to the public. So if you're out there, guy and gal, gun guy, gun gal, listen to this. There, there's a lot. Pay attention to social media. Uh, the one in Tennessee that Opie puts on this October, you can shoot fully automatic and have night vision. And it's open to the public. Uh, Palmetto State's getting ready to have an event just coming up and not too much longer. So there's events out there where people can jump in the middle of it and you don't have to be on YouTube to get to go. I think it's great. I think these these uh, events are awesome and they are stinking fun. Now, speaking of stinking fun, can we talk about the Wilson Combat? And, I, you know, no disrespect to Wilson Combat or any of the players in this game. But sometimes even good guys can say knucklehead things. Jared, you've been following this. Holy smokes. Yeah. Um, you know, with all due respect to the, some of the, you know, the OGs that are that were on this, you know, video with Ken with Mr. Hackathorn and, and everybody over there. 
Um, they're all phenomenal at what they do, but it just came off like they were detached from the community a little bit. And and to paraphrase, they were talking about lights on pistols and they said like all the cool kids are doing it, but you don't need a pistol light because you're not, you know, I'm not going to rehash the whole thing. But yeah, the short version is that we don't need to have gadgets on our guns right. or lights on our pistols. And then also you should never carry appendix and yeah. the internet went yeah. stinking nuts. Well, they sell guns with rails on them so that people can put stuff on it. So you're, you're saying that there's a need or at least there's a monetary monetarily attached value to that where you're willing to sell that stuff. But like I've been in that scenario in both my professional career and my private life where a light on my firearm paid dividends. As a trainer for 20 years plus, I always told people the gun, the light on your gun is not for searching. You never search with the muzzle, right? That's why you have another one, whether it's on your duty belt, if you're uh, you know, working professionally or in your pocket or whatever. But you want to identify your target. Like two thirds of, depending on where you are in the country, two thirds of your day is in low light or no light. And the chances are that a criminal who's looking to take advantage of you is going to utilize the cover of, of night. Now, not everybody's in the military, not everybody's a police officer, but everybody has the right to self-defense. And sometimes that happens when it's dark out. So yeah, if you want to put a light on your gun, you do what's best for you, but make sure you train with that. You know, don't just think I can put a, a you know a thousand lumen light on my pistol and all of a sudden I'm going to be like the Mandalorian. I can shoot blindfolded. Uh, just know what you're going to do and, and don't let the pressure from, you know, people who don't think you need what you have. But Anthony, you. do you think like the, like the the feedback from viewers and audiences this week has been really strong? Like I did a video on it and talked about it. And I'm telling you, I lost some subscribers just because I didn't just parrot or champion everything that Wilson Combat said. Or, or and again, no disrespect to Hackathorn, he's an, he's an OG. But because I didn't just give a huge thumbs up, people got really upset. I mean, where are we at now in this balance, Anthony, between between the OGs and what is in the box of accepted methodology? versus the right of everybody to do it their own way. Do you see a tension in there? Yeah, and I think this points in directly to something we talked about last podcast where we, we talked about the fractions within the community and some of the, the infighting and the doctrinal differences in, in people. This is a perfect example. I snuck in the doctrinal again, Johnny. You know? <laughs> uh, but this is a perfect example of that. You have the old school guys that are saying all the new school methodology is dumb. You don't need red dots on your handgun. You don't need lights on your handgun and don't appendix carry because you're going to shoot your testicles off. You know, that that is that methodology. And then you have all the new, new school guys uh, who are saying, you don't know what you're talking about. You're stuck in the 1970s and 80s. Um, I am a little bit perplexed by who Wilson Combat is trying to reach because the audience that is going to view this narrative that they're putting out is not going to be the guys from the 70s or 80s or the older school guys. The people that are going to be seeing this message that they're putting out on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, wherever, is going to be the new school guys. So obviously you're going to get 
a lot of negative response to that. So I'm, I'm a little bit confused by the marketing strategy behind that. And the marketing strategy really could just be that they wanted to troll people, that they knew it would get a rise out of people yeah. and get a reaction, which some companies think, think of that as a very valid marketing strategy. Now, do I think that just trolling all the time is, is a good marketing strategy? No, but it's also Wilson Combat's, you know, their company, they can do what they want. But do you think there's a value to that uh, trolling people where it could affect those who would purchase your very expensive firearm? No, no, I, I'll tell you guys, my point of view is I carry lights on some of my handguns. I appendix carry all my handguns when I can still carry. And I have optics, red dots on most of my handguns that I carry. The only time I don't is if it's a more compact, you know, handgun, like a, a Glock 43 or 26, I don't have an optic or, or a light on it just because they're not compatible with those, th those things. But again, that's a, a strategy that I come up with because if I'm trying to go light, I'm not going to have all the other things on that. Now I could, if I wanted to, I can modify them and get slide cuts and, and all that stuff. But you know, on my 19 that I carry most of the time, I have uh Trishgon SRO on it and I have a Surefire X300. That's my main go-to concealed carry handgun. Um, I've done low light courses in, in classes. I've trained in low light. Like Jared said, two thirds of your day is probably in the night. And when do criminals like to engage in criminal activity? Most of the time at night. Um, I believe in red dots because I think they are much easier to shoot fast and shoot accurate than iron sights. And that's a whole debate within our community also, which I'm sure you guys can speak to as well. And I appendix carry because it's comfortable for me and I can draw quick and I've trained that way. I've done plenty of training courses, appendix carry. I think a lot of this comes down to just differences in thoughts and your capabilities in, in your training practices. But I think for one side to say, all this stuff is dumb. Don't do this. You're going to shoot yourself in the leg or shoot off your testicle or you don't need a red dot and you don't need a, to be this absolutist message that you're putting out there to whatever audience you're trying to reach uh, obviously got a huge response from the community. And I think people are not happy about it, <laughs> but it was funny to see the memes in the, in the comments. It's what been are you, a wild week. Johnny? Yeah. It's been a wild week over at Wilson combat, at least in their social media. I've been watching this and these two hackathon videos. And he also says you shouldn't use a red dot. And there's a, there's a lot more to it. Like Jared said, but then also the the video right before that, right before the hackathon was Masad Ayub saying his technique for going to the gas station is to put his hand in his pocket or his vest pocket or wherever it was and hold his firearm as he pumps gas and then look around and be doing these scanning drills with his hand on a gun. Now, I understand if you're in Gary, Indiana or downtown Chicago pumping gas, I get it. But if you're on Main Street, USA, Anthony, is there a liability for that? Could it be argued in court? Like if you put, produce this video in 2024 that says, every time I go to the gas station, I hold my gun. And then a year from now, could they bring those videos into court and show intent that when you did shoot their client, you've been planning this for a while? Is there liability in a video like that? What I tell people a lot of time, because I get a lot of these hypotheticals, and I'm sure Jared and John, you guys get these hypotheticals all the time. You know, if you do this, can it be used against you in court? Everything, a prosecutor can use almost anything and everything against you. What I find interesting with that messaging is it does Mossad just carry in his pocket or his sweater pocket all the time? Um, how is he caring? And then also, I just have this real world perspective myself. Let's say I go to a Costco gas station, which I usually go to. I'm concealed carrying, you know, 99% of the time when I'm out, um, unless, you know, it's not, if I'm prohibited in certain areas. 
But if I roll up to a Costco and I see this old man with his hand in his sweater pocket or pocket or whatever, and it looks like he's scanning and being weird, it's going to put me even more on high alert. So it, it's just this, I don't, I don't get that messaging. Um, I think it's a little bit detached from the real world. Now, all respect to Mossad. He's, you know, he's an OG, um, respect to all of them on Wilson combat. They are people who have been in the community much longer than I've probably even been born. Um, but I just don't agree with that messaging. And yeah, I mean, obviously there could be some liability stuff and some evidence could be brought into some of these cases, but really that comes with almost anything. You can bring almost anything into a lawsuit. I absolutely love the idea of having our eyes open at a gas station. I thought the way he was presenting that was kind of silly and I don't think he was trolling, but I love that idea of just being stinking aware of what's going on around us. John Korea, the content creator, he says, and he has produced videos on this, start the gas and then just do a four corner drill, walk around your car, check your tires, check your four corners and move on. Jared, personal awareness at places like the gas pump. It's huge because uh, there's been a uh, documented increase of crime that happens when people are you know, susceptible at gas stations. Um, I also want to say that I think it's comical how we've basically resorted to have Moss wearing sweaters every day. I mean, I, I've met him uh, and he did have a button down on, so we'll have to dispel that. But I, I think what I want to say on this, because there's going to be people who are listening who are going to be on one side or the other on what we're talking about, right? They're either going to be in in the OG camp where like none of you newfangled folks know what you're doing. And then there's those are the ones listening who are on the newfangled, you know, train. And they're going to say the old school techniques are, are bad or, or washed up or old or has been. And what I want to say is it does not matter to me what you do. What matters to me is carry that firearm to keep yourself safe, be that sentinel for our community to be there when things go bad and to just be good at whatever tool you decide to utilize. Um, and throughout my career, like I started uh, in the late nineties, I saw a lot of this firsthand coming through as things uh, change in the training in, uh, regiments for police departments. When I got on uh, in the particular police department I was in, they were still carrying Berettas and we were the first class to transition to Glock. So you have a hammer fire gun with a heavy uh, trigger pull, double single action to the newer, you know, the new recruits are carrying a striker fired four and a half pound, uh, or I think it was like five, five and a half because with the New York trigger. But uh, it was a totally different weapon system. We had to train them all on it and we had to move them from that weaver stance to that isosceles stance. So I, I saw this play out firsthand live. Um, and you're going to get resistance. And sometimes there are people who, no matter what you say, no matter what you prove, what statistics say, they don't care. Um, so let's go easy on everybody. Let's all get along. Yeah. Solidarity for 2024. Yeah, I think my position too is I care, and we talked about this last podcast as well. I care much less about gear than you training with whatever you choose. I mean, how many? I've been to plenty of training courses where guys have set up their rifle or their battle belt or their CCW or whatever that they have, and they go out there and they've never trained trained with it. And they find out that a lot of the gear that they selected and they swore by and they would argue on online day and night about is just not, doesn't work for them. Might work for someone else, but just didn't work for them when they actually went out and trained. So I think that's way more important than being so dogmatic about one specific piece of gear. Um, at least go test it and then form your opinion about it. But if it's just been sitting in your safe for 20 years, I don't understand why you're going online arguing about, oh, this absolutely, you have to have this, you have to run this when you've never actually gone out and trained with it. Now, those guys definitely have trained with a lot of the stuff 
and maybe that's just what works for them. That's what they've been doing for 20 plus years and they can outshoot most of us, you know, but you know, it won't work for me. I, I know if I go out with just iron sights on a handgun, like I can shoot well, but I know I can shoot a lot better with my red dot for sure. Well, again, no disrespect to Hackathorn or uh, Ayub, no disrespect at all. These guys have done more for the two-way than the three of us, and like, like they are OGs. So big respect. I thought it was a silly take, but I also, like, I, I'm not dogmatic to use Anthony's word. I think it's important for all of us to do what works best for us. There's a YouTuber named Randy. I saw his, his take today on his channel on Randy reviews it. And he said, do what works for you. And I just really, really respect that. All right, good news. Today's episode is brought to you by Blackout Coffee. You can find them over at blackoutcoffee.com. And this is huge. I love saving money. You guys like saving money? Always. 20% off your first purchase. So when you make that first purchase, you better load it up over at Blackout Coffee. The code is Liberty. Jared, what's your favorite flavor of Blackout Coffee? Uh, I'm on the Brutal Awakening uh, regular, but for a flavor that uh, Blueberry Crumble is ridiculous. I agree. I'm a Blueberry Crumble guy, and I think I talked about that last week to you guys and uh, told you that I'm on blue on Blueberry Crumble. Anthony, favorite blackout coffee flavor? So usually I stick to 1776, but I also run the no compromise because one of the really cool things about blackout coffee is if you purchase one of the no compromise or the FBC roast, some of those proceeds go directly to those two A organizations so they can file lawsuits to continue to fight for our right to keep and bear arms. So that's cool. I love that Blackout Coffee does that. So usually I, I order both 1776 and No Compromise are kind of my go-tos. All, all kidding aside, like this is not an advertisement. The three of us really do drink that every day. That really is the truth. And so beyond the marketing or beyond the sponsorship of this channel, which we're super thankful for, I started my day today with Blackout Coffee, and uh, the code is LIBERTY, 20% off your first purchase. Big thank you to the folks at blackoutcoffee.com. All right, Anthony, you're going to have to get me up to date. I am, I am, you know, not up to date on this one at all. I'm struggling. Walk me through this Cali bill. Oh, man. I just put out a video yesterday. It went live. Um I mean, when you guys listen to this podcast, it's going to be probably a week from from today that it was out. So go watch my video, Jared. I think you did a video on it as well. Yep. Uh, the bill we're referencing is SB 1160, and it is sponsored by and introduced by Senator Anthony Fortentino. He is the same horrible anti-gun politician in California who also put in place SB 2 which is California's concealed carry restriction law that they passed and uh, they tried to put into effect, which was directly in response to the Supreme Court's decision in Bruin. And SB2 essentially was trying to ban concealed carry everywhere in the state of California. In Porantino's own words, it would only permit you to carry on some sidewalks and that's about it. And he thought that was amazing. Can I pause you right there? Yeah. I want to, on behalf of everybody in the Second Amendment community, thank you and thank Reno May for putting yourselves out there and being part of that lawsuit, being plaintiffs, uh, because that is huge for us uh, to step up uh, when duty calls. Yeah, and I appreciate that, Jared. And I know we, we had talked about that beforehand when, you know, and that's filed by CRPA. So really all credit goes to CRPA, uh, California Rifle and Pistol Association, all their attorneys over there. They're awesome. Um, so really all credit goes to them. But when they approached me and said, hey, do you want to be a plaintiff? We need plaintiffs. 
you know, I'm on this platform. Of course, I have a voice. And whenever I'm called to do something, you know, I, I, whatever I can do for the community. So I appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's the lawsuit we're part of. It's Mavy Bonta. It's currently in the Ninth Circuit challenging the other bill that Porrentino uh, passed in California. Uh, luckily, we got that halted in the interim right now, which which is good for California and concealed carry holders because it pretty much would have made it illegal for me to carry if I didn't uh, comply with their stuff. And even though I had a permit, even though I went through the entire month long process and paid thousands of dollars to concealed carry, it would have prevented me. So, you know, the long story short, that Porrentino, that's his background. That's the guy who introduced 1160. And 1160 is uh, essentially, it's an annual registration, a yearly registration of all firearms in the state of California. Attached with that comes you having to pay uh, fees to register them annually. Uh, with the state of California and California Department of Justice. And if you do not register, and if you are found to be in possession of an unregistered firearm in, that you did not file with the California Department of Justice, you have to pay an eleven uh, $1,000 fine uh, for, not, for not registering those items. Now, there's a lot of uh, uncertainty with some of the language in my perspective right now, because there's no clarity about what the fee is going to look like, what that dollar amount is going to be to register, there's also no clarity on whether or not the $1,000 is going to be per firearm that is not registered. So that could be even more significant. Now, my assumption would be California loves to both violate our rights and take as much money from us as possible. So I would assume the fee is going to, to register is going to be high. And then I would also assume it's probably going to be $1,000 per firearm that's unregistered. So it's, it's a mess. And if you guys know, and I'm sure you all know, uh, bills like this in California pass. They passed a concealed carry ban even after Bruin. So it is concerning as, as a California resident, it's concerning. And um, I've, I saw comments of people's, you know, in California, because I have a lot of California viewers, they were saying if this passes, they're definitely moving out, out of California. And I understand that sentiment. Stuff like this, it, it's concerning. Um, if you're watching this and you're in California, or even if you're out of the state of California, please contact the representatives, let them know you oppose this, uh, we have to fight against this. We have to go through the traditional means to fight this. Um, and I know a lot of people say we got to do some other things, but I don't know if we're quite at that point yet. I hope we never get to that point. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a mess. And Jared, I know you did a video on this as well. What are your what are your thoughts when you see the nonsense that I'm still dealing with here in California as you try to pull me to Tennessee? Dude, I don't know what you're waiting for. Like, tell the wife to get the car running now. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I've been there. I lived in Massachusetts and whatever Massachusetts does, California does and vice versa. Uh, we had a state registry. Um, I, I feel for you, it's going to pass. Uh, and then for those who are listening, who are saying, well, why doesn't like GOA or FPC or CRPA or somebody SAF, why don't they do something about it? Typically for those uh, who aren't familiar with the process, the law would have to pass first. There has to be that tort first, that, that harm before someone can actually take an action or as it's about to be filed, then you can take a, a, a preemptive strike. But here it's, yeah. it's just, just uh, still in the, uh, uh, the committee phase. Um, yeah. But it's terrible because uh, the, we have six or seven states right now whose lifeblood right now is to violate the Bruin decision. You know, Massachusetts, California, New York, uh, Hawaii, New Jersey, uh, all, the, all the ones that we all are familiar with. And 
when they see this pass, they're all going to start trying to do that themselves. If it's not immediately, uh, you know, like if St. Benitez doesn't come up immediately and stop it. Uh, and I'm referring to Judge Roger T. Benitez in the San Diego district uh, of Southern California. Um, this will pass and other states will jump on this, which is the concerning part, which is why Anthony, what he said is key. You get involved. A lot of us think that by making that phone call, it's a waste of time. Uh, I've been there. I've called Ma uh, Mara Healy in Massachusetts. I've called Elizabeth Warren more than her uh, own family does. I've ca called uh, Senator Markey. Um, I know that whatever I say to them falls on deaf ears. But when you're dealing with politicians, trust me, I've dealt with them for a long time. Silence is acceptance. And if they have some pushback, you might not change their mind, but they'll feel that heat and they'll realize, all right, maybe we pushed a little too far on this one. We'll do something different. And that's how you uh, can start the process of getting behind good candidates, run for office, shout out again, second week in a row, vote for Brandon Herrera. His, uh, his election is March fifth uh for i think it's district 23 23 in, i think 23 yeah in texas uh we need brandon herrera in congress um but yeah it's it, what one state does the others uh will will also adopt y'all we've talked about these issues of protecting ourselves we talk just even even laughing about should we have a light on our gun and even with this more serious case in this california bill it's an issue of self-protection. And we in the in this two-way community, all of us, viewers, listeners, audience, us, all of us, we talk about self-protection all the time. And I'm sitting here thinking, because I heard y'all say the right to protect yourself several times. But then it's it's more than ever before highlighted to me that we are in charge of protecting ourselves. 800 cops at the Super Bowl parade. Eight hundred and they could not protect themselves what do we learn coming out of that whole situation anthony uh be your own first responder uh just because cops are there does not mean you are safe despite what the government loves to tell you they love to tell you you don't need to protect yourself because police are there and the government is there to help you which is terrifying words to hear as you've very famous quote um yeah it's just it's never it's in the narrative that spins out of all these incidents, which were alluded to as the Super Bowl stuff. Uh, it's always interesting to see the narratives that spin out of this and uh, the in, the individuals involved um, and some of the information that comes out. It's just these laws that they always are pushing. Gun-free zones don't work. And the reality that I always point back to is there is evil in this world and it does not matter how many laws are passed how heavily the government gets involved, you can't snuff out all evil. Uh, it's just a it's just nature. It's just, I, I have my religious beliefs about why that is. Uh, you might have whatever beliefs you have about why evil exists in, in our world, but the reality is it exists. And my opinion is gun-free zones don't work. Gun control does not work. You have to give the individuals the ability to protect themselves and just don't think because police are around, you're inherently safe. As we also just saw with the acorn story. <laughs> Sometimes those are the police officers <laughs> are around you. So, you know, what do you, what do you think, Jared? Cause I think you've, you've probably been deeper into this whole story and stuff. Yeah. Than I have been. Um, so first off, it was a gun-free zone. So the criminal who 
the definition. How was there a gun? How was there a gun there? Tell Magic. me that. It says gun-free zone. It's on know, the right? it's on the it's on the signs. It's on the doorways. How did this happen? Magic, right? Uh, criminals, shockingly, it's actually in the definition. They don't follow law. Um, so it's a gun-free zone, illegal, um, shot within the city limits, also illegal. Maybe we should pass some more laws. Murder because somebody lost their life. That's already illegal. Uh, shooting and injuring people, aggravated assault, aggravated assault and battery. Um, that's also illegal. Maybe we should pass some more laws. Um, there's all kinds of people who are re ready to say, well, we need to pass the law so I can feel safe. Here's a shocker. There's a hot take for you. You don't have the right to feel safe in this country. That might be a hard pill for people to swallow. You do not have the right to safety. You do have the right to keep yourself safe, and that is enshrined in the Second Amendment. You had that right before this country wrote stuff down on parchment. You do not have the right to feel safe, but we have a whole couple of generations now that are brainwashed with that, that I need, my feelings need to be protected, thus your rights should be taken away. I was talking to a group of college students this morning, and there was a whole incident at Chick-fil-A locally, and there was a stalker. And the young man that was working at Chick-fil-A telling the group of us this story, this morning he goes, well, we're all good now. The police signed an order of protection, or the judge did. And he had, they now there's an order of protection out there. And I said, here's what I find fascinating about that, is the idea that a piece of paper is going to protect us. I know we're preaching to the choir here, but when the SCOTUS saw the case, Delaney versus Winnebago County, the one thing, and I know a lot of folks don't want to like memorize case names. This is an easy one. The Winnebago County one, the idea is that the SCOTUS has released police departments from the onus or the responsibility to protect the public. And that's a challenge for all of us to realize, hey, I don't have the right to feel safe. I also don't have the right to have anybody else protect me. And again, we're preaching to the choir, but it's it's the responsibility is on us to protect our loved ones, to train. I know that I need to do more cardio. I get that. Rule one cardio. I'm old as dirt and I'm cranky and I don't want to do cardio. But I can tell you this, I'm practicing. I'm, pra I'm careful what I carry. I, I can put more rounds on center mass than I've ever been able to in my entire life. And the more we see situations like this, eight. 100 cops, 300 cops in Uvalde, and a lot of those are good guys. These are good guys and gals. These are not evil, horrible people, but there are other evil people out there that are, are intent on evil. Anthony, does this inform you? I know you're already careful. I know you're already training. I know I've trained with you. I know that you are fully committed to this, but when you see these stories, does it make you, does it make your resolve get more resolvey? to protect yourself and your family. So I actually, and I know we talked about this offline, I don't necessarily follow a lot of these shootings very closely because to me, it's just, I understand evils out in the world and I'm not gonna get into the cesspool of the commentary back and forth. And I have an, I don't know if you guys know this, I have an interesting relationship with these types of shootings because this is actually kind of what thrust me into two-way advocacy. So I'm, I've talked about this on my channel before and I've done a podcast so, solo on this before. So if you want all the details, you guys can go find those. Um, the reason I got into firearms was because when I was an undergrad at UC Santa Barbara, my senior year, there was a shooting at the school. It's very well-known shooting. It's the Isla Vista shooting. You can go look it up. Um, and I was a senior year there that year. 
And I remember that night hearing all the ambulances go by and the police, I mean, hundreds of, of vehicles going by. And uh, I remember riding my bike during the aftermath through the community, seeing the gunshots in the window and it rocked the community for sure. And that also spun then into California passing their red flag laws because of this one incident. Um, so that whole incident, I'm a little bit different than my friend groups and a lot of people, I guess, in current academia, <clears throat> they tend to be a little bit, not a little bit, they tend to be left-leaning, heavily left-leaning. So the narrative out of that was let's pass more gun control. My thought process will always has been, if I'm not educated on something, I better get educated on it before I speak about it. So I dug into firearms, I dug into the gun community, and one of the first places I went was YouTube. And that's kind of when I became a fan of YouTubers, Hickok, Ira, you know, Eric, Iraq Veteran, Barry and all them at that time were big. Um, and then later started watching John Lovell and all those guys and fell in love with firearms, um, started watching Coleon, fell in love with the stuff he was doing, went to law school, you know, fell in love even more with the Second Amendment and, and educating myself about the Second Amendment. And now this is spun to the things that I do now. Um, so when you ask me, has this changed my mindset? No, because one of the things that first has thrust me into two-way advocacy really stemmed from an incident similar to this, understanding that it can happen to anyone at any time, no matter how many gun laws you pass. Again, that incident happened at a school. It was a community attached right to the university. So a gun-free zone at a school in the state of California. And it's again, it was illegal for the things that happened, the, the atrocities that happened. It was already illegal and no amount of laws would have changed any of that. Um, so no, it doesn't really change my mentality. It doesn't, uh, if anything, it just makes me understand that it's more important for me to train than ever as things get crazier and crazier in our nation, not just with these isolated incidents, but just everything else that's going on right now. I want to jump in real quick. Um, this is something that I used to tell people when I was still working uh, as a police officer. And and for those who are listening, because we're going to have people who are listening that aren't carrying firearms, that's that's fine. And you make that decision. That's absolutely fine. But I want you to picture like you and your wife or you and your mom or some loved one. You're with some loved one. And wherever you are, evil presents itself immediately to you, whether it's a guy in a mask, a hood, however you visualize that evil, it's there and it's looking to take action against your loved one, hurt them, or even worse. Think of the ability you would have to save a life if you were able to be your own first responder. However that looks, if you don't want to carry a gun, that's fine. Maybe you carry a knife. Maybe you carry a hammer. Maybe you carry a Roman candle. Maybe you carry these fists, but catch rather them than catch them hands, but rather than to stand by and let somebody be hurt when you can take control and minimize that, maybe you aren't going to be able to stop everything, but minimize what's going to happen to that person and others in the community. Um, for me, that drives me. That drives me to help train people. That drives me to in conversations with people. I just came back from Phoenix where I gave that same type of scenario to people who were listening in the crowd. Like, we have the ability to push back against crime. And for some reason, our government wants to take that away from us. We can never remember, we can never forget that we have the, the ability to make our neighborhoods safer. And it starts right here with the individual. I agree. And I, I loved your, your answer, Anthony. I said, does this inform you? I said, for me, it's made me more resolved. And you're like, no, not at all. I, I resolved a long time ago. And I, you know, I, I echo that. And, and I think that's so healthy to go 
no, I've been in this a while and there's reasons. Like I, I don't have, I have valid reasons for feeling like this and, and I don't have any waffling in it. So uh, big respect there. I think, it's, I think it's fantastic. And I love one of the topics that we've hit several times today, which is what works for you doesn't work for me. And people ask me, I've had viewers say, hey, can I put a gun in the back of the truck on the window, like hanging like old school? And I always say, it, I don't know. If you live on a ranch in Wyoming and everybody in your community has guns in the back of their car and you're just running down to the feed store with a dog in the back of your truck, great. If you live in some downtown city in Hartford or Hartford, Connecticut, that probably not. So what works for you doesn't work for me. But to Anthony's point, the motivation for you might be different for him because he's been in the thick of it, which he's talked about before. And so for me, I've never experienced that. Thankfully, knock on wood, for me, it's a little more academic. And I think that's super, super important to me to, you know, acknowledge that we have different motivations, but I absolutely love that. But evil is out there and evil does exist. Now we've talked about some knuckleheads today. We've talked about acorns. We've talked about maybe some companies that are trolling a little bit and trying to market in clever ways. But then other times your own company turns on you. I, at this point in the show, I'm not sure which one of y'all know more about this. I'm opening it up. Somebody walk me through this GBRS. Have you followed it much, Jared? I'll, I'll try to follow it because I, I think we were sending mess. Everybody was, you, you guys should see our group messages. Actually, you don't want to see <laughs> no, it. It's, no, no, you don't want to see it. No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's interesting. So I had a lot of followers start to send me this. Um, and then I saw it spinning up on Instagram. So if you guys aren't familiar with, you know, GBRS group, um, I think they're a bunch of former Navy SEAL guys and you know special operations guys. And they have a company uh, that I think does a lot of training and they sell products like the Hydra, which, you know, is a optic mount with some night vision. Um, you know, they have a pretty big social media following. Um, they sell products and they do a lot of other stuff online. And you know, they already before this incident caught a lot of flack for some of the stuff they said and um, I don't know any of those guys there. I've never had any interactions with any of those guys there. So I, I'm not going to speak on, you know, cause I don't know, I don't speak on anybody unless I, I really meet you in person. But the incident that we're referencing is, uh, the, one of their employees was arrested, um, on site, but the caveat to this story is GBRS called the police on their own employee. And there are body cam photos or videos that you can watch on Instagram. You can find the entire interaction uh, between the police officers and this employee. And then also the, um, the uh, one, I think maybe one of the co-owners and one of the managers who called the police on this, this employee. You can watch the entire interactions. And the allegation was that this employee uh, had a BCM lower and he had it in a box, walked out of the shop. And when he came back, he did not have this box. And so GBRS believed that he stole the BCM lower. And so they called the police and they called the cops on their own employee to have him arrested. And he was arrested, put in the back of a police vehicle and was sent to the jail. But lo and behold, I believe 10 minutes after this individual was arrested, a FedEx box shows up and it was the BCM lower. What had happened according to the body cam video and everything I can find online is that I think this employee was supposed to ship this BCM loader that was purchased. He took it to FedEx when it was supposed to go to UPS. And so it didn't get scanned in. And so FedEx brought it back to them saying, Hey, you, <laughs> this went to the wrong place. 
And I think GBRS had an oh crap moment, called the police back, said, oh, we found it, you know, 10 minutes after the fact, you know, of course the guy did not steal it. Um, and now it's circulated all online. And I think the concerning thing for me is how quickly they were to call the, the cops on their own employee without doing any due diligence, asking the employee what happened. Why did you walk out with a box and come back? You, I mean, maybe it could have been cleared up simply by saying, hey, where'd you go with that box? Oh, I was taking it to FedEx. Took it to FedEx. Oh, it wasn't supposed to go to FedEx. It's supposed to go to UPS. That's why we didn't see it in the scan. It just, it is very surprising. And I think a lot of people are are upset with this story because maybe it validates some of the feelings they already had about this GBRS group. And I think at this point, I think Johnny, we were talking back and forth. I think they've closed down their Instagram comments and their YouTube comments because they were getting hammered by the community. I uh, absolutely love it. I love it when the community steps in. I mean, I love drama. Y'all know I, I thrive. I'm a meme lord. I fight in the meme wars every day. And I, I love it when, you know, I feel bad for the guy that got arrested. He's a moron. He's a knucklehead. He took it. And we would all do this. I would drive straight to UPS right now or drive to FedEx with the UPS package and hand it off and go, see you, fellas. Big gulp, say. See you later. Yeah. <laughs> that's 100% something I would do. But here's the fun part. That's awful. That's, a, that's, a, that's something I would 100% do. However, then, then they have that guy arrested instantly. Like they instantly have their own dude arrested. And this is the best part. So then when people in the comment section were like, uh, <laughs> maybe you shouldn't arrest this dude. Like he's just a guy. They bang, they cut off comments and would not allow comments. Jared, should, should companies just let people have their say? If they're willing to jump on social media, should they take the heat? Yeah, yeah. Accountability is a two-way street. Yeah, absolutely. If you're putting stuff out there, you need to be able to eat that crow when it comes to you. Uh, at the very least, they should they should put something out apologizing. I mean, I, if I was arrested falsely, there's nothing that they could say to fix that. Perhaps that bridge is, you know, you can't come back from that. It's, it's destroyed. It's burnt. I believe um, they fired him. Yeah, also. yeah, yeah. Because they, at the, when he came back, they wouldn't even let him in to get his keys and stuff like that, too. Um just a bad look. Like, I don't know anybody over GBRS group and I wasn't even familiar with them to be honest until you guys were putting in the text. But, uh, when I saw all of the, uh, the dash cam and the body cam footage th this morning, uh, that was, it's just a bad look. Like all they had to do, like Anthony said, was like do a little bit of investigation. You know, these guys were, you know, they're, they're SOF guys. Like they, they know how to do investigations. They could have easily probably said, where'd you bring it? You know, prove to me where you brought it. I think a lot of viewers don't give a rat's poot tootie about interpersonal drama or YouTube drama or drama in the comment section. But I think what everybody does care about, regardless of age or gender, all that stuff, I think what we care about is, is freedom. And we care about protecting ourselves, protecting our loved ones. I think there's a lot of meat in here today that's got me thinking. And regardless of the comment sections, I think we all have a responsibility on some level, whether it's with a firearm or with a baseball bat or the fisticuffs of protecting ourselves. How about a round table this week? How are you guys protecting yourselves? Anthony, what's your current carry situation? I know we all have rotations. We all have different firearms that we use, but how are you carrying? What are you carrying? What's your current thoughts on that this week? Yeah. So right now, cause it's winter time, I pretty much carry the same thing. It's just my Glock 19. Uh, it has a Trijicon SRL on it. Uh, I run a Radian Ramjet afterburner as the barrel and California compliant comp. Brownells modified slide on it. 
uh, and then it's got a stipple work job from Alpha Six Defense, one of my buddies down um, in the LA area. All internals, though trigger and all that is, is always the same. I carry appendix in um, a QVO tactical Kydex holster. Um, and then outside of that, outside of the firearm, I always carry a, a knife. Kershaw Iridium is my current uh, pocket knife that I carry, one of the sponsors of my channel. Kershaw, I love them. Um, and then I carry a Streamlight MicroStream, or MacroStream actually now. It's the bigger one. Uh, I carry that as a light in my pocket. And then usually just my my wallet, um, Trayvax wallet and and all that stuff. So I my my carry is pretty standard. It rotates. The handgun usually will rotate to a 43 or the 26 from the 19 if I want to go smaller. But right now, since it's winter, I wear a lot of sweaters. It's always the the 19. But for the most part, I, I have my go-to stuff that I carry every single day and then watch phone, all that stuff. What about what about you, Johnny? Because you guys, I think it's also interesting because you guys have a little bit more leeway where your guys is at. And there's been some incidents also when there's been some fun events. It's called freedom. freedom. <laughs> yeah, it's in the title of the show, Anthony. Freedom. <laughs> the challenge is, uh, is uh, yeah, it's at, at, and it's really easy for us in Tennessee to make fun of California. We love you, California folks out there. We love you, New York folks. Rhode Island, yeah, not so much. Kidding, we kid. Uh, for me, I don't carry. I, I rely on the good faith of my fellow man, and I rely on the goodness of those around me as well as my skills with my fisticuffs. And so uh, I am choosing guns are scary and guns scare me. Um, I carry the same stuff that everybody else does. I've got a pretty regular rotation. I've got an FN 509C that I've been carrying lately because it's peanut butter. I thought it was cool and it works every time. But I've been carrying that. I've been off body carrying that a little bit lately. And I like what that. Do you, what do you use when you off body? Do you have like I've, I've a bag you go I've got a couple different options. I have a backpack that I carry that's a vertex and it's got a big handle on the side that you can grab it and unzip it from behind and instantly access. And I practice with it. I know off-body carry is controversial. I know it is. I do off-body carry in the wintertime sometimes, uh, partially because I'm chubby and I'm working on it. Work work with me, people. Do you do fanny pack ever? Sometimes I'll I, run a fanny pack if I want to, off-body. I do. I think fanny packs are amazing. TFB... TV, James Reeves, he is a big proponent of, of fanny packs. Jared, you carry fanny packs sometimes. Yeah, I just got a new one from, uh, sorry, I just got a new one from Galco um, that I've been running the last couple of weeks, and it'll fit anything from midsize down. So I've been running my uh, Staccato CS in it uh, with a red dot and a light, um, and it's been comfortable. Uh, usually I carry with an appendix, appendix holster uh, by a bunch of different uh, companies. I have a bunch in the rotation, including hidden hybrid holster and CNG holsters. Uh, but uh, yesterday I switched my carry gun uh, because it's still a little chilly out. I was lucky enough to get one of the couple Bull Armory 5-inch uh, SAS-2 TAC Pro 2011, well, double stack 1911s. Uh, that as a sweet gun, and I instantly put on a Hollis and red dot and a light. Uh, and uh, not at all, no, not at <laughs> all. <laughs> I'm just good at it, that's what I've been, been, been playing with. Uh, but yeah, I have a bunch of different knives. I have a sickness, I like knives. Thank you to my friend Jason Knight. Uh, and I have a couple different flashlight options that I'll run in my pocket, but uh, there's always some type of uh, firearm, some type of blade, some type of uh, light, and then depending, I'll usually have a less lethal somewhere in the car or in my bag, OC, whatever it is. Uh, but yeah, that's my my usual. I do the same. Like like I'm a, I'm a large framed human. I'm six five, and I carry a. You'll never see it. It's not exactly. It's not on the outside. I carry it inside my giant pockets. But I've got a monster blade on me all the time. Even even in places because I, I do go in some places that are gun free. 
Yes, I know that, you know, you can carry anywhere with the right attitude. Yeah, I know, I know. But sometimes I do carry, uh, I don't carry a firearm. I'll carry a giant, giant blade. So I think for me, it's just good to be around you guys and here. And I know the viewers are going to be probably typing away on the different ways that they found us about their concealed carry. And I think it's a great question today. How are you carrying? What are you carrying? What's your thoughts? Should you have a light? I think it's good to walk through this and hear what other people have to say. I think the word is cross-pollination, and I think it is good for us. Today's been very much about acorns, nonsense, knuckleheads, chuckleheads, and protecting ourselves. We call it the Liberty Lounge. We talk about firearms, freedom, and fun. A huge, huge thank you to blackoutcoffee.com. Be sure to use that code LIBERTY. Load up on that first purchase. However you found us, wherever you downloaded us, thank you for finding us. This is the Liberty Lounge podcast. We'll see you soon.